a lot of stuff could be be hiding in unstructured data. You could have PII about your employees, your customers that you don't want to get out and is a particular risk. You could have examples of misconduct sifting, uh, sitting in that con- unstructured data. So in general, like there's a lot of it in our organizations. We should be conscious of where it lives and we should have processes to proactively look for the types of hidden risks in our organization that, that need some form of remediation. Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox welcoming you back for another episode. Today, I'm thrilled to have back with me Jordan Domash. Jordan is with Relativity, and we're going to talk about his role at Relativity Trace. So, Jordan, First of all, it's great to see you again. Yeah, it's great to see you. We're coming live from the Relativity offices, which is really exciting. Excited to chat again. This is the first live podcast I've been able to do since literally pre-pandemic. So it is cool. And we can even bookend that because you were the last live podcast I did pre-pandemic. So first of all, could you tell us a little bit about your professional background? Yeah. So I started out my career in consulting. I worked as a management consultant at Bain & Company, where I advised large corporations on, on strategy and growth opportunities. I've been with Relativity since 2014. I can't believe it's been seven years and the company has grown a lot since I first started. And the past few years, I've been leading our communication surveillance product, Relativity Trace, and so guide the sale and development of, of the platform. So could you give us an update on Relativity Trace since we last visited, which I think was in January of 2020? Yeah, it was, it was right before the pandemic, and a lot has happened o- over the past couple of years. So if I think about some milestones for our company as a whole, we received a pretty large investment from Silver Lake, funding that's going to enable even more innovation in artificial intelligence and other priorities for, for our business. We've acquired a couple of companies. We acquired VerQ, which is a communication connector business, and TextIQ, a top 100 AI company. So made big investments to expand our, our suite of tools. If we focus really on Relativity Trace in particular, we've had a ton of product milestones. We can now collect over 50 different data sources, email, chat, audio, mobile, and all the attachments sent along those platforms. We've launched a ton of new artificial intelligence capabilities including email threading deduplication and AI data cleansing, which is going to massively reduce false positives and allow our customers to focus on risks. We've launched new modules for trade reconstruction and control room surveillance and have had a ton of monthly releases over the past couple of years building new product. As we think about our customer side, and that's really why we're in business to, to solve problems for our customers, we've had a bunch of customer wins as well. We've deployed our first pharmaceutical company, So it's not just financial organizations that are using Trace to monitor for compliance risks. It's actually a wide variety of regulated customers. We just had a recent customer that within a few weeks of of deploying the software, saw an 80% reduction in false positives. So we're seeing real value for our customers in focusing all of their energy on real risks and not the junk that could take up a lot of time for, for compliance teams. Jordan, you saw a lot in there. And let me see if I can pick up on a few points. The first one was, and we're going to talk about what changes the pandemic brought, not only Relativity Trace, but your customer base. But I have a very general observation, which is that 
the pandemic brought more to the fore the importance of data. And it did because we couldn't do this. We couldn't get together in person. You couldn't interview people. You couldn't do investigations. You Mm -hmm. couldn't do all of the things that we had traditionally done in person. And so data became much more important. The regulators, sort of independent of that, of the pandemic, really seized upon data as being a key component of compliance in literally every industry. Mm -hmm. In the financial industry, that had always been to the fore, but you mentioned pharma and in a wide variety of other compliance disciplines, and I brought in a corruption, export control, you name the type of compliance. The regulators said, you not only have to have access to data, you have to use that data, and then you have to use it in a way that really lends itself to continuous improvement. So I wanted to kind of introduce I don't want to say new concept of data because you're smiling at me now, Tom, this is not new. And I understand (laughs) that. But for many compliance practitioners, data became much more ubiquitous because we had to. We had to incorporate it into our business processes. And that's why I was really excited to visit with you today, because that's really the core of Relativity Trace. So if we could maybe start with what are some of the new data cleansing capabilities, but even more than the capabilities Why is data cleansing so important if a compliance officer has been told by the regulator, you have to have access to the entire suite of data within your company? Where does data cleansing come into that? Yeah, maybe if we take a step back before going into the data cleansing and go into your points around data in general, data can mean so many different things. It can mean the record of the communications themselves where the misconduct could be happening. It could be the reporting of how many alerts are being generated, how many are being escalated, how many false positives. It could mean the training data that we've got that can allow us to be a lot more effective in our our compliance monitoring with machine learning models and artificial intelligence. And if we think of the world we used to be in, we were all sitting in a room next to each other. You had managers, executives sitting close to frontline employees where you could see in real time is someone doing anything wrong. And compliance is often sitting right next to traders or integrated into the broader organization. And in today's day and age, everyone's working from home, everyone's independent, and we rely a lot on new communication sources to communicate with each other. So Rise and Teams and Zoom and Slack. And so the way people have communicated has changed. It's led to an explosion in the amount of data that's available that you need to be proactively monitoring. And so we've spent a lot of energy on the the past couple of years answering the problem of how can we sift through all that content? focus specifically on what's risky, what's relevant to a compliance team with as little review as possible, and really focus on being efficient with our time and actually detecting risks that are important. And so one of the the features that we launched recently was enhancements to our AI data cleansing process. And when you think of artificial intelligence for compliance teams, we bucket artificial intelligence capabilities into three categories. The first category is removing duplicative content and obvious junk. So if someone gets a newsletter describing you know, an incident of misconduct, yes, we're talking about misconduct, but it's not actual bad behavior. And so we shouldn't be alerting on that. Sometimes we're looking for sharing of inside information. And when you send an email, a lot of companies append a confidentiality disclaimer. This is intended only for the recipient of the email. Don't share it. It's confidential information. Well, if you're looking for someone saying, don't share this, it's confidential, you might trigger on that automated disclaimer. And it's not actually real risky behavior. So it's one bucket of artificial intelligence. 
We also have buckets of artificial intelligence to actually detect risk. And then also provide context is the third bucket. And so we've invested a lot in all three of these different areas. The first of which is what we call AI-powered data cleansing. And it's a bucket of capabilities that allow us to, in an example of an email, strip out all of the non-human generated content and focus only on what was sent by an individual. So we're stripping out confidentiality footers. We're stripping out emails that have already been reviewed by a prior compliance monitoring reviewer. We're stripping out headers and signatures. So when you look at all that text that's generated by a system, strip it all out and actually only focus on the content that was sent by a person, you're actually only looking at a small population of data and you tend to see significantly lower false positives in the alerts that are generated by the system. So went through a bunch of context there, so happy to provide any detail if it would be helpful, but that's the story of kind of why we focus so much on data cleansing. Let me pick up on one of the points you raised a couple of different times, and that's around detection. In any best practices compliance program there, and it doesn't matter the discipline or the industry, there are three prongs, prevention, detection, and remediation. Mm -hmm. If I could move now to prevention, because that's really what the regulators are now focusing on. Early on, it was much more on detection, but now they've evolved to really saying, you should be preventing this rather than simply detecting it. How does the latest Relativity Trace app help prevent misconduct before it occurs? Yeah, we do that a lot of ways. One is by having a really effective program. You are setting the expectation that this behavior is not being tolerated at your organization. And so first thing we do is really detect. We're looking at communications that have already been sent or received, and that's the focus of our business. But when an incident is found and you are actively detecting misconduct effectively and finding the examples of misconduct, you enable compliance teams to create a culture where they are quickly taking action, quickly re remediating activity. They're going to the business and saying, hey, this behavior is not allowed. If you're talking to a pharmaceutical company, this type of off-label selling that's not allowed, we are going to our sales team and saying, hey, you are not allowed to sell this drug in this fashion that's not approved by the FDA. And we're taking action on it quickly right after the email is sent. And a consistent approach by a compliance team in quickly remediating consistent bad behavior that could be found in the organization creates a culture where we don't tolerate people going into a gray area. We don't tolerate people doing the wrong thing. And we aren't waiting six months, 12 months, three years until there's a formal investigation. We're taking action on it right away. And that culture of misconduct of proactively taking action on misconduct ultimately raises the bar for the organization as a whole, preventing the behavior from happening in the first place. And so we enable compliance teams to have the tools to take action quickly, which enables them to have a lot more power in the organization to change the culture. You know, you said something there that I think is a lot more powerful. So let me kind of rephrase that and see if I understood you correctly. What I heard you say was that we can help prevent in the business process, not prevent focus solely on compliance, but you have integrated the Relativity Trace tool directly into the business process so that it's seamless and that the business team does not have to do anything new or different. Compliance does not have to do anything new or different. But if something does pop up, you're able to remediate. But the key is it's a part of the seamless business process. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, totally. And 
trace is implemented in a way that's very aligned to the specific organization. It starts with the code of conduct. It starts with understanding the risks that are specific to that business. And we integrate that into the implementation of trace. So in financial organizations, if you're dealing with, with traders, you'll be looking for collusive behavior, market abuse, market manipulation. In a pharmaceutical organization, you'll be looking for kickbacks or off-label selling or bribery and corruption. If it's a you know, non-regulated organization, you'll be looking for, for bribery and corruption, behaviors that the business talks about regularly as something that's non-compliant. All that Trace is doing is giving compliance teams the ability to enforce that code of conduct and make sure the risks specific to that organization are proactively being monitored and any violations are being detected quickly. You know, I heard something even different there. What I heard was that you could monitor and prevent a wide series of risks. Mm -hmm. And specifically, you named pharmaceutical companies, then you named antitrust or yeah. anti-competitive behavior. Yeah. So we have the Department of Justice Antitrust Division now has come out with their own best practices compliance program. But the thing I just heard you say is, hey, Tom, we can look at a wide variety of risks if they're in your code of conduct, and we can do this in a seamless way as part of your business process. Is that also fair? Totally. So we, we have 50 policies and models out of the box built for a wide variety of, of behaviors. Some of them are industry specific. Some of them are, are more generalizable to all industries looking for a specific set of behavior. As a new customer deploys the application, they say, these are the risks that are relevant to our business. And these are the individuals at our organization that are of a particular higher risk for that behavior. So if you're talking about antitrust as an example or, or uh, anti-competitive behavior, you know, if you're a 100,000 person organization, it's not all 100,000 people that necessarily could be at risk of some type of communication that is going against anti-competitive practices. It's maybe going to be a series of executives or people who have conversations with competitors or who are setting pricing. It's probably a smaller population than the entire organization. And so we map the risks to the individuals who are perceptible to that risk, which is ultimately defined by a risk assessment at the organization. And so it's really tuned to the, the organization itself. How are you able to, or how is Relatively to Trace able to incorporate a behavioral analysis and AI to help detect and prevent misconduct? Yeah. So we use artificial intelligence in, in three ways, as, as I kind of talked about a bit earlier, to remove irrelevant content and junk, to pinpoint risk in misconduct, and then to add context to alerts that have been generated so you can quickly unravel if there's any misconduct happening. I talked about the data cleansing technology, but just to kind of quickly go through that one more time, we have technology that removes spam, newsletters, industry research reports, things that aren't sent by a person that can also trigger a lot of alerts, a lot of false positives. We strip those out from our, our monitoring process. We also strip out all non-human generated texts. So things like disclaimers or confidentiality footers or signatures, which could look risky to a system that doesn't realize it wasn't sent by a person. So it's a set of artificial intelligence that allows us to focus only on the content that is potentially risky. Then we do a lot to actually detect risk. So I, I talked about the 50 policies that we have out of the box. Policies are made up of machine learning models, metadata conditions, sometimes lexicons. And so the organization, they don't have to 
come to us and say, how do I detect bribery? How do I detect collusive behavior insider trading? We have a point of view and a perspective that applies machine learning and artificial intelligence that we ultimately tweak to your organization. And then when we think about adding context, let's say an alert was generated. The system says, hey, compliance officer, this is potentially bribery. Take a look at it, read this email. And compliance officer maybe doesn't have complete context to what that individual is working on. So they might read the email and be like, I don't, I don't completely understand it. What is this deal that they're talking about? Who is this individual that they're communicating to? We have the ability to press a button and say, show me three, four, five other emails that help explain this original email. And so it starts to get into the investigatory context so that compliance officers, they don't have to run a bunch of manual searches. They don't have to review thousands of documents. We bring the three or four or five most relevant communications to that alert to the forefront so the compliance officer can really focus on what the system is saying is the most relevant. So I mentioned the regulators. In my world, that's the Department of Justice. There are other regulators uh, for different industries. But the regulators have made clear that compliance must have access to all data across the corporation. And unfortunately, many compliance officers are people like me. They're lawyers by professional training and background. And that's uh, pretty daunting. But it's more than simply being daunting in terms of access to data. There is a lot hiding in that unstructured data. So I was wondering if you could maybe, it's October, and so I think uh, Halloween's appropriate time to scare people. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, why why don't you tell us about what's hiding in unstructured data that companies, from the business folks to risk management folks to the compliance folks, really need to worry about? Yeah. So first of all, what is unstructured data? Well, structured data is something that lives in a database. It has a data model assigned to it. Unstructured data, which is actually a majority of the data that's living in in a company, is something that doesn't have that type of hierarchy associated with it. So think of your Word documents, your emails, your text messages, things that live within the broader organization are much harder to understand and sift through. And when we think of relativity as a whole, our business, beyond just compliance monitoring, is really built on unstructured data analytics problems. When you think of the e-discovery business, it's taking a large volume of unstructured data and looking, sifting through it for the purpose of an investigation or a litigation or responding to a government request. We have customers using relativity, government customers for Freedom of Information Act requests and quickly being able to respond to a FOIA request. Cyber breach response where you've got a SATA data that might have, someone might have access to it. And how do you quickly uncover whether they had access to anything sensitive? technology to look for for PII, compliance monitoring. And the reason why we focus on that, it's a really hard problem. Unstructured data comes in a variety of different forms. It is really hard to search across the entire enterprise in one place. And it requires a different set of technology than looking through structured data, like an Excel table or a database. And a lot of stuff could be, be hiding in unstructured data. You could have PII about your employees, your customers, that you don't want to get out and is a particular risk. You could have examples of misconduct sifting, uh, sitting in that con- unstructured data. So in general, like there's a lot of it in our organizations. We should be conscious of where it lives and we should have processes to proactively look for the types of hidden risks in our organization that, that need some form of 
remediation. Could that also extend to subject access requests that are now currently required under GDPR, but may be required under state data protection laws in the United States? Yeah, exactly. If you get a subject access request, you need to find information on a specific individual. Well, it's going to be really hard to search all of the many systems in your organization to find references to that individual. And so it's the same type of problem here of technology that allows you to incorporate many different file types and data sources and ultimately search through it all all at once. So similar type of problem. If you want to stay up to date on the latest innovations in compliance and help your business run more efficiently, subscribe to this podcast and help spread the word by leaving a review.